Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Good morning, Glory Church. My name's Brandon, if you don't know me. Um, And we have been in the middle of a series called One Flesh, and this is actually the last one that we'll hear about today. Uh, What's cool about this series is that we've been talking about what we're referring to as power tools for the kingdom, and it's been these things like honor, purity, intimacy, vulnerability. Uh, Today, we're talking about confidence and boldness. And uh, these, these words that we've dived into um, and explored scripture with are supposed to be power tools for us to use for the kingdom um, in our communities around us. And so today, I'm going to go into um, uh, the passage Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. You can flip there if you want right now, but there will be some time here. Um, and I'm calling this confidence in salvation and boldness in faith. Now, in the Greek, those are actually the same words. Um, so the, the Greek uses them interchangeably. Um, but in Acts, you'll see that there is a confidence that we have as believers in our salvation. And this gives us a boldness to live our faith out. And we're going to be able to see this in one of the longest prayers in Acts. Uh, but it's a prayer by Peter and John when they're with their small group. And so to give you a little bit of context here before we dive into it, um, it's written by the, bo- uh, the book of Acts is written by Luke. Luke wrote also the book of Luke, imagine that. And uh, he addresses both books very similarly. It's a, to a guy named Theophilus, which is a great name, Theophilus. Um, I've heard of Theo before, but not Theophilus. That's a strong name. Uh, and Theophilus, we don't know much about him, but there's two strong theories that we think uh, who Theophilus was. One, Theophilus was a non-believing friend of Luke, okay? So maybe think of him as a co-worker, someone who you are familiar with, you've gotten to know on a day-to-day basis, but um, they're not a believer yet, and so you're starting to like uh, go across that line of like you're a co-worker, now you're a friend, like as a friend, let me show you who I am, like starting to get that type of care for them. And then there's another theory, which is similar, and they can be interchangeable, uh, and it's that it's just a general uh, placeholder for someone who is a friend of God, which is what Theophilus means, friend of God. And so these letters, both the book of Luke and Acts, could be to an unbeliever, which is why it's a great spot to start if you are an unbeliever, a new believer, and want to start somewhere in scripture. The book of Luke is an amazing one. Um, Or it's to a friend of God someone who desires to be a friend of God, someone who wants to know God more. In the book of Luke, it talks about the life of Jesus, the miracles that he performed, uh, the trouble that he caused with Herod and Pilate, and ultimately his crucifixion, and then his resurrection, and then his ascension. And that's the book of Luke. And then chapter 1, verse 1 of Acts says, Dearest Theophilus, in my last book, I told you everything that dealt with the life death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, but you haven't seen anything yet. Like, if you thought that was crazy, if you thought that this man Jesus was nuts, that he was doing these miracles, and he was causing these troubles, and he was flipping the world upside down, wait till you see how this one man with this one spirit goes and puts the spirit in front of 
tons of people, thousands of people, and with that same spirit that they used to raise the dead, now these believers are walking the earth, talking with people, telling them that they're healed, telling them to get up, telling them to walk, and changing lives everywhere they go. And that's what the book of Acts is. And it's this amazing story that includes more crucifixions. It includes uh, more of the people in power, like Herods and Pilots, uh, angry Sadducees and Pharisees. And that is where we find ourselves today, is one of the very first conflicts of Acts. And so I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then we're going to just go verse by verse with it. And so uh, if you all will follow me here, we're going to go to Acts chapter 4, verses 23 and 31. I'm not going to put the slides up yet, um, but if you don't have your Bible, just uh, listen along. That's totally fine as well. Or if you have your Bible, just uh, read along with me. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they had heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, there's our key word today, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. All right, so let's dive in here. Are you ready? First verse. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. Oh, shoot. I forgot. Let me tell you what I'm going to talk about real quick. <laughs> There's three things, three takeaways I've got here for you guys, all right? So by the end of this, I hope you walk away with these three things. One, that God is sovereign, that he is maker of all things, that he rules over all things. That we are inheritors of all that is God's. For us, this is eternity. Everything that is God's, he has made us inheritors of that. And then finally, a certain kind of prayer results from this. It's a prayer of boldness. And so those are the three things that we're going to dive into. All right, there you go. Now, we've, now we know where we're going, right? So let's dive into this first verse. So let me tell you a little bit about what caused this trouble, right? So uh, Peter and John, they have been filled with the Holy Spirit. This is after Pentecost. And they are walking to the temple to go uh, talk about the word of God. And as they're walking to the temple, you have to cross under this gate called the Beautiful Gate. There's probably a lot of historical context around the Beautiful Gate that I did not dive into. So I'm not going to go too much into the Beautiful Gate. But at the, at the Beautiful Gate, there was a man. He was a lame beggar, so he was paralyzed. And he was so commonplace there that people just thought he was like part of the scenery of the Beautiful Gate and the temple. He was always there. He was always asking for money. And as Peter and John were on their way to the temple, this man said, can I have some money? And Peter said, I don't have any gold and silver, but what I do have, I give to you. Get up and walk. And 
the man who's been there for ages got up and walked. In fact, he was so happy about the fact that he gets to get up and walk, he began leaping around the temple, making a scene. And this, of course, catches the eyes of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who probably a few months ago thought they squashed this type of uh, rambunctiousness through Jesus when they killed him. And now there's more men and more women who are performing these miracles, telling people to get up and walk, and uh, making quite the scene and drawing attention to the Jews. And so what do these Pharisees and Sadducees do? They arrest Peter and, Paul, or Peter and John. So Peter and John spend a night in prison and while the Pharisees and the Sadducees are trying to figure out what are we going to do with these people? We've already tried killing it, and now it's come back, it seems, in multiples. They thought they killed it with Jesus, and now they're like popping up everywhere performing miracles. And we can't do anything with these two men right now because now everybody's talking about how this lame man was healed And so what are we going to do with them? And the first thing they're going to try is just tell Peter and John to stop talking about the word of God. So they threaten Peter and John. They say, you guys need to stop talking about Peter and John. We're going to to stop talking about the word of God. We're going to let you go, but you know what we're capable of, right? Because we, we killed Jesus like not too long ago. And so you know what we're capable of right now. And so they are fearful by nature, Peter and John, as they go back to, imagine their small group. I kind of picture this as, you know, they're sitting in with their small group. They're scared. They go to their, their uh, fellow community. They're gathered inside of a home somewhere. And when they get there, everybody's like, Peter, John, like, what, what happened? Like, we heard you were arrested, and we heard about the healing, but next thing we know, we couldn't find you guys, and now you're here. Like, what, what's, what's going on? What did what the Pharisees and Sadducees say? And this is where they're here. They say when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And then what I love about this is if you're in a small group, if you're in a community, you've probably been here before where someone comes in, shares about their weeks. We do highs and lows in our small group. And sometimes when we hear something, um, there's nothing to do except just bring it to the Lord in prayer. And that's exactly what happened. Peter and John just went into everything that I just went into with you all, with their group of believers and their small group, what they want to do. They wanted to pray. And so when they heard it, they lifted their voices together uh, to the Lord and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And I highlighted this piece because there's a reason why they said Sovereign Lord. So to be Sovereign Lord means you are sovereign. You are over all things. And they go beyond just calling him sovereign, but they actually have a who there, right? Like who? What's the evidence of this sovereignty? And it's that you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And this isn't like you're some, you know, someone sitting on an assembly line putting together pieces of something, making something that way. But you're actually like creator of, like you were there even before the assembly line or even before the designs were drawn up. Like you were there and all of this around us came out of your mind, your vision, your word that you spoke. And so they're giving him reverence here and they're calling him sovereign. And then they do the next thing that's very relatable. When you're praying, how many times do you quote scripture in prayer? And if you haven't tried this, then I recommend that you do try this. But they do this. So they say, sovereign Lord who made all things, who through the mouth of our father, your servant said, the Lord said this, by your Holy Spirit, 
They quote Psalms 2, and we're going to go to Psalms 2 here in a second. But why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. So a couple things that Olivia and I have done before, like uh, when, we, when we miscarried and we were in prayer as a couple and mourning together, we prayed over Exodus and the promises that we saw in Exodus because we really felt there was this promise that had been taken from us. And so we prayed words, the same words that the people that were lost in the desert were saying to their Lord, we were saying to our Lord, the same Lord, that you bring water to the dry land, you bring life to dead bones. Do that for us, Lord. So they're quoting scripture similarly to that. Or maybe uh, you're stressed about finances or stressed about what tomorrow will bring or you don't know uh, your job's been bumpy and you're not sure if you're going to be part of the next layoff. How often have you uh, prayed scripture, Lord, you take care of the birds, you dress the lilies of the field, in that same way, like, take care of us. Like, that is, that is similar to what the uh, apostles are doing here in scripture. They're looking back to the Old Testament. And um, I want to take a second just to, I'm gonna, you guys don't have to flip there, but I'm going to just real quick go to Psalms 2. And I want to read one more thing in there because they cut it off at at anointed. And you'll see why here in a second. It'll make sense. But I want to go a little bit past anointed. So this is in Psalms 2. I'm going to start in verse 1. And you can just just listen. I'm going to skip a little bit of a chunk and and skip down to a couple verses. But in verse 1 it says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves... And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, right? That's, that's verbatim what they're saying in, in, uh, in Acts, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. And then I'm going to go down to verse 7. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. And the reason why I wanted to call that out is because it's going to be important as we go into this next part of the prayer here, because they've talked about the anointed one in Psalms, and they've quoted that, But then there's something special about the anointed, which is that in this anointed, he is the inheritor of everything that is God's. In in Psalms 2, it talks about, I will make all the nations, everything that I have will be yours. And so that's kind of the prophecy that Psalms 2 is setting up. And so after quoting scripture in the prayer, they're, they're turning back and they say, for truly in this city, they were gathered together and together against your holy servant Jesus. So it's saying that the Gentiles, why do the Gentiles rage? Why do the kings plot against you? It's because of your anointed. That's what Psalms 2 said a thousand years ago. Well, now today in this city, they, meaning the people in power, the kings, they were gathered together against your holy servant, your anointed one, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, 
to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. They're taking this thing that happened in Scripture in the Old Testament a thousand years ago, and they're placing it here in today's present day, and they're saying that because this happened in the past here that you talked about, here's how we're seeing it play out today, and that when you were talking about your anointed one in Psalm through the mouth of David, what you were really pointing to was the man Jesus, who we saw just a few days ago and had ascended up into heaven, he, this is all connected here. Like, they're connecting these pieces right now to this spot. And something comes of that. Something that uh, I think uh, we need to talk about in regards to the boldness, the response to that. And why do they have this boldness and that re- this response? So the very next thing they say, and now, because of all this, because of what happened in Psalms 2, came true yesterday when Peter and Uh, John were arrested. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And so these men and these women that are gathered have a desire and actually have a boldness to approach the sovereign Lord who's created all things and assume the position of the anointed one and say, Lord, in the middle of all of this fear and all of this doubt and all of our insecurities, give us the boldness to go forward and continue to preach the word of God, which they've told us we have to stop preaching or otherwise they're going to arrest us and kill us. And the reason why is because of that second part of Psalms 2, where it talks about, to you I give all things, all nations are yours. And in Jesus, we find that God now looks at the Son, and in the same way that he looks at the Son, he looks at us, and he says, you are my begotten. So now it's not just like this promised anointed one that comes, but it's actually the one who I'm dwelling within through the Holy Spirit, and they're saying, you're my begotten. You're my anointed one. You're the inheritor of everything that I have. And in in scripture, in Psalm 2, it talks about all nations. Although we know now on this side of the resurrection, it wasn't this king that was coming to take over the world and, and dominate land geography, but it was actually a king that was coming to dominate ourselves and to deliver eternity into our lives. And so when we hear the inheritance, it's not just nations that we inherit, but it's all eternity. Everything that was, everything that is, and everything that ever will be is ours to inherit because of what Jesus had done. And so it's with this connection now that the, that the apostles are making with the anointed one and how we are anointed, that they are saying, Lord, give us the boldness to say these words and to preach your word um, so that your, while, sorry, so we'll, we'll put it this way, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs or wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And the reason why I want to kind of stretch this out a little bit and talk about that one specifically is because what they're saying is that with boldness, we can speak your word. And what happens when we speak your word is that while we're speaking your word, healing is happening and signs and wonders are happening. And so Peter and John were walking into the temple and this guy was asking for money and they said, we don't have money, but what we will give you, or but what we do have, we will give you. And they gave them him the word of God, the redemption of, and sanctification of what Jesus has to offer. And the man was able to be healed. 
And what's interesting about this too is you see the while, while you stretch out your hand. And the reason why I think it's while is because a lot of times we often think if we just worship in the right way or if we just pray the right way, then we can perform these signs and wonders. And it's almost like the word of God is like the, the fertilizer, the working of the ground in order for signs and wonders to happen. But it's actually the exact opposite. The signs and the wonders are the things that prepare our hearts for what the word of God has to give us. Um, another way to put this actually earlier on in Acts, it talks about how signs and wonders are an attestation of what God has done. An attestation. Any lawyers in the room here? No? No lawyers? I'm not a lawyer either. Um, but an attestation is a legal document saying, I witnessed it. I am a witness of. I attest to what I'm seeing. And signs and wonders are an attestation of what Jesus has done. And so rather than just uh, praying for signs and wonders and expecting signs and wonders, really what it is is it's an active, actionable talking of the word of God. And while that's happening, as a direct result, you have signs and you have wonders. I have, a, I have a perfect example. In our last small group, I, can't, I won't go into details of what happened, but um, we're going through and we're, we're sharing testimonies. And the person who shared a testimony, I've known them for as long as I've known Glory Church, right? So a few years now. And in their testimony, he revealed something that I, I didn't know, that some, some pain that had happened in their past and, uh, and the healing that Jesus had done in that. And in that, he was giving the word of God. And as he spoke, literally as he spoke, someone else in the room had the same experience that he had and had never talked about it before, never brought it into the light. And they raised their voice and they said, uh, me too. Like that happened to me too. And Jesus has done these things in my life too. And as literally as these words of God were being spoken, healing was happening in the room. And if, if you would know the content of what was being shared, it wasn't an easy thing to talk about either, especially in a chaotic li small living room where you have eight babies running around, all screaming wild wildly. It sounds like we're sitting in the middle of Noah's Ark. It, literally, I was praying one time, and I was like, it sounds like I'm in the Ark. Like, there's just animal noises all around me. Um, but if you knew the setting and the, con and the content, that, content that was being talked about, it wasn't an easy thing to just go ahead and say and just lob out there. It would have been much easier, much easier to just share a testimony that makes everyone feel comfortable and makes everyone sit there well. But he went there with boldness and with courage, and he shared the word of God, and it brought healing. And he's only able to do that because he has the Holy Spirit in him, and the Holy Spirit uh, works through your words. All right, so let's, let's keep on going here. And when they had prayed, the place that they were in was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And so what I'm showing here is that, and I want you all to try this this week, maybe try it in your small groups. When you speak with boldness, when you speak the word of God, see what the immediate response is. Because in this example, the room was shaken. Could you imagine? Like, could you imagine Peter and John who at some short period of time, like within days, weeks, maybe a couple months, had just been with the risen Lord Jesus, and now they're walking around and they're saying, be healed, walk, go. 
Now they're sitting in a room, they're scared, there's fears, there's doubts, there's anxieties. They pray to the sovereign Lord. They say, we are inheritors of your kingdom, and so help us with boldness to continue preaching your word, even though you're not here with us physically, you're here with us inside of us, you're dwelling within us. And then the immediate response is that the room shakes. Like, what an awesome, amazing validation. And this last Wednesday, the room didn't shake physically for us, but it was an immediate response. The words go out, and the immediate response was more healing. And as they shared how that, those words healed them, and those words being used to describe the healing was going out, it was healing other people in the room. And all of us were literally being shaken to our core because of what the Spirit was doing and how it was moving within them. So we've been in this series, right? And it's on one flesh as a body of believers and things that we can do to increase the community. And I've got them listed up here, right? There's honor, there's purity, intimacy, sacrifice, endurance, vulnerability. Um, even if you weren't here for all of them, uh, you can probably get a pretty good idea just based off of, of the topic here. But as I, I think through these, right, like how can I bring more honor to the people around me, to, to my marriage, to my home? How can I live a life that's more pure? How can I be more intimate with the people that I'm in community with? What can I sacrifice as a worship to the Lord? How do I carry the mantle that the Lord has given me with endurance? How do I be vulnerable with the community around me? As I'm thinking through these things and trying to live them out, guess what the first things that come to my mind when I start thinking about it? I have doubts, I have insecurities, I have fears. And sometimes these doubts and these insecurities and these fears act like a wall. Here's some horrible clip art for you. Act like a wall from being able to allow you to fully live in honor, to fully live a life of purity, to fully be in intimacy with your, with your spouse, with your community, to experience sacrifice, to, to carry a mantle. Um, to be honest, I think the mantelpiece specifically, like, is this really what God has for me? Like, is this, some days I'm like, I can't bear what God has for me. And other days I think, is this it? Like, is this all God has for me? And I think I want more. And I doubt that what God has for me is actually what he has. With vulnerability, I, the amount of conversations, ironically, I've had this last week about people just desiring to be more vulnerable and authentic with, with people around them. And the biggest reason for the, why they aren't vulnerable is because they lack confidence. But underneath all of that, it's because we have insecurities. Like, can I really be vulnerable with people? Can I really, like, show them who I am? Can I tell them the scars of my past and really expect that to cause healing in this room? Or am I just going to be cast out? Or am I going to be looked over? And so I believe what we can find here in Acts is that as children of God, right, as inheritors of the kingdom, we have been fearfully and wonderfully made, chosen, we are loved by the creator of the universe, and that gives us boldness. Timothy Keller, um, he passed away recently. He was a great, incredible man. He has a really, he has a lot of great quotes, but one that came to mind while I was uh, studying this is he talks about 
how if you can imagine an all-powerful king who just by his word could cause um, people to die, right? Like he's got all of life in his authority. Everything that's been created is under his authority. Who in their right mind would ever wake up that kind of king at 3 a.m. in the morning? Like, I love my wife, but if you wake her up at 3 a.m., bad things happen, and she does not have all of creation under her authority. And so to think that someone has the authority, the gall, the boldness to go to the king's bedroom in his innermost chambers, walk up to him in the middle of the night, and shake him up awake at 3 a.m. has to be a pretty bold person, right? Timothy Keller says the only person who has the boldness to do this is the king's child. The king's child to say, Dad, I want a cup of water. Now, he may not be happy about getting woken up, but he's not going to kill the child, right? Like, he's going to get up, he's going to get the baby a, a cup of water. But it's only the king's child that has the boldness and the authority to come into his innermost chambers, wake him up at 3 a.m., and say, Daddy, I need a cup of water. And that is the boldness that we have as being inheritors of the kingdom, as being children of the creator of the universe. We have this boldness. And so with boldness, I challenge you this week to live with honor, to boldly be pure, even when you're, you're not sure you can do it, even when you have the insecurities or lack the confidence or have the doubts that maybe I can't actually be pure, or maybe things have just gotten so bad between me and my wife that I don't know if intimacy is even possible this week. Be bold with it. Go forward and see if you don't have an immediate response that shakes, shakes the room around you. Um, I'm going to go ahead and have the worship, uh, worship team come back up, or at least Jeremy or someone. Um, and while he's playing, I'll just uh, close us in prayer and then have, have Greg come up. Lord, thank you again um, just for this incredible plan that you've put together, Lord. The heart that you have for your children, um, to see the reconciliation of your children, Lord, to incline your ear to them, to soften your heart, Lord. Um, we know that you find all of your satisfaction in the fulfillment of and the playing out of the salvation of your people, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you soften our hearts to this, that we can receive this, and that we can go and we can lead boldly, Lord, that we can speak your word boldly. And even when the world is looking at us and challenging us, when Satan is devising ways to squash our uh, confidence and our boldness, Lord, that we can remember that we are children of the King, children of the creator of everything that is in earth and under the sea and all of it. And that because of this, Lord, you give us all boldness, all boldness to continue going out and speaking your word. I pray, Lord, that these words don't leave our mouths empty, that as soon as we breathe them, Lord, that you put them to work that it causes healing, that it has signs and wonders attached to it, Lord. And that because we had the boldness to speak your name, other people can come to know your name as well. Come to know it maybe deeper than what they've ever known it before, Lord. And all these things I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. 
For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.